This is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yeah, and we're going to talk today about Knives Out, a movie from 2019 by Ryan Johnson. He wrote and directed this movie, and the cast is stellar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Just stellar, right. So Daniel Craig, Chris Evans. Anna de Armas is probably the least known at that time anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Christopher Plummer. It was just awesome. Um, I saw an interview uh, as I was preparing and somebody asked him, how did you get all these people together? You know, scheduling alone is impossible. Oh. And apparently what happened was he had this, this movie ready and was trying to get it made. And... Um, they wanted Daniel Craig, and Daniel Craig was going to do a Bond movie. And then suddenly they pushed the Bond movie three months. Yay! And, uh, and he said, yeah, I'll do it. And so he was the first one who signed on, says Ryan Johnson. And then from there, now they had ba- – this was basically six months between – Daniel Craig signing and the movie was in the can, <laughs> right? Got it. So they, so they had three months to put the rest of it together and be ready to film. And um, he said it was a matter then. He said it was actually easier when you talk to somebody and you say, hey, next fall sometime we're going to do this movie. Are you available? And they go, eh, I don't know. But he said, but when you have a very short window – yeah. You know, they can say, yeah, I am. I am. I can do that. You Interesting. Because their yeah. schedule, it works better, right? Right. So, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And then yeah. all they had to do was say, uh, that Ryan Johnson said this. He he just had to say, uh, hey, Daniel Craig is in this. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, well, that's, and then Michael yeah. Shannon would say yes, right? And then they mm-hmm. would call the next person and say, Michael Shannon and Daniel Craig are in this. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, heck yeah, I'll do that, you know. That's the deal. You get people who um, you get that one big name, mm. and that it all falls into place, whether it's for money or whether it's to be a star. Yeah, right. And everybody just suddenly is taking it more seriously. In fact, I remember um, for the movie Secondhand Lions, mm-hmm. Haley Joel Osment is in that, and he was the one person they could get. They'd been trying for years to make this movie, and. He was, uh, his father, who was managing him, was really interested in the idea that he was the money person. Having his name on it meant Robert De Niro went, oh, yeah, I can be in it. Michael Caine, oh, yeah, I can be in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so um, it's, that was my lesson kind of in how that will suddenly make people focus. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and and I, I imagine in Hollywood, a lot of deals don't happen. So right. I imagine there's a lot of things, a lot of people talking to each other and saying, hey, we want to do this in the fall. And you're like, hey, that sounds really good. But then nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. But then when you've got something that, hey, can you be here on Tuesday? Now <laughs> you're like, okay, I know this is going to happen. And it's kind of exciting. You know, I'm going right. to jump all over that. Right. So Yeah. So that was fun. So th- this whole movie sounds um, from some interviews and things that it fell right together for Ryan Johnson, not only that, but the script he wrote, um, you know, didn't take him a long time to write it. It was one of those things where just all the pieces in his head fell together 
And then all of a sudden he had a window to do it and the actors fell together mm-hmm. and um, everybody was great together. And um, yeah, so everybody seemed to have a really good time and it was one of those moments, you know, kind of a <laughs> That peak sounds thing. good. Yeah. Well, and it must have been for him since he'd been doing, you know, like the big Star Wars movie and gotten more attention from that. I bet this might have felt a little more like his early movies because Brick and Looper both are intricately plotted mysteries also. Mm, Yeah. And he wrote those. And I've seen Looper, but I have not seen Brick. Oh, Brick is amazing. Cool. It's okay. His I need first to see movie. It. Mm-hmm. It's if you had a noir film set in a high school where the high school kids are both high school kids and like talking like they're in a noir movie. I haven't rewatched it in so long and I need to, but it's really an amazing accomplishment. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's and great. And Looper mm-hmm. is, of course, very good too. Mm-hmm. In that kind yeah, of Looper's in that same fantastic. Way. Looper's yeah. really an excellent film. Someday we have to talk about that yeah. one. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. So this movie is, um, in a in a way, you know, it it's a, it's a number of things, but uh, who done it? Mm-hmm. It's in the tradition of Agatha Christie, and very much purposefully so. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves loves those movies, the Who Done It movies, and um, he had an idea for one and wrote it. And it's basically, you know, Agatha Christie. We've talked about her a few times on this podcast, and. Um, you know the, the idea that you have these these people of uh, a, a bunch of different classes, you know, in in one space, you know, and then you get to meet them all in one place, and then uh, there's a murder, and then there's someone who solves the murder, who's there to solve the murder, and um, all of those elements are in this movie. Yeah, all the people with uh, who are, of course, not what they seem, even if their secrets are very small ones. Mm. And you, you could really see the actors glorying in their roles. They're not over the top more than they need to be, but they need to be just enough over the top <laughs> that you can really just love them. And I, you know, Tony Collette, who <laughs> I love, and you think of the different roles she's played where she just throws herself into it. And this, you know, aging hippie guru type person where when she's describing, they all describe this birthday party that starts it off. And um, each of them shows themselves at the center of the attention. Mm. But when she's like, Oh, we're just one big happy family. And they show her dancing (laughs) in this horrible way (laughs) and uh, grabbing uh, Jamie Lee Curtis by the hand who completely ignores her and just yanks her head back or hand back. And (laughs) it's just this movie also, I think we, we can't stress enough. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Because of things like that. Yeah. And I've found, you know, a whodunit movie, when you watch it, um, sometimes you want to watch it again to see what you missed, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's pretty much it. But this movie is one I can see coming back to forever, you know, because yeah. it is just something that, you know, the whole journey is so interesting and fun. And there's so much going on that it's it's just so worth watching. Exactly. This was my third time to see it. That's great. I think it might have been my third as well. Oh, okay. And I could, because of that, you could really just relax and enjoy the performances. Yeah, and the sets. <laughs> yes, the sets. Like oh, uh, somebody says, he, you live in the middle of a clue board to, the, <laughs> to Christopher Plummer, who's the mystery writer. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, the gorgeous house, full of stuff. 
Yeah, it's yeah. the hint that you're in for one of these big classic style mysteries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the same time, well, I guess we should describe it. Sure. It's a very mm-hmm. brief um Yeah. Plot. Yeah, so yeah, so we have uh Christopher Plummer's character, Harlan Thromby, is a uh best selling author. He writes mystery stories. And he's got this house, um, and uh, a bunch of kids, right? So he's got uh, three surviving kids, or no, two surviving and one that had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got, uh, let's see, Jamie Lee Curtis is his daughter, whose name, married name is Linda Drysdale. And she has a husband named Richard, who is Don Johnson. Okay, so Jamie Lee Curtis is a, uh, you know, I'm going to put in quotes, a self-made business person. She did this, whatever it is she's doing, I forgot. Real estate. Real estate, that's right. You know, with her dad's help, her dad basically said, you know, here's money, get started. Um, Although she's like, you know, I did this all by myself. And then uh, Michael Shannon plays Walt. And Walt is running the publishing business for his dad. So when his dad writes a new book, it goes to Walt, and Walt get, takes care of getting it published and all that stuff. And then we have Tony Collette, whose uh, name is Joni Thromby, who is the the wife of uh, the the person who widow. Had, yeah the widow of the person uh, or the son that had passed away, and she's still like uh, you just said, very much part of the family. And then we have a nurse, uh, Anna de Armas plays Marta Cabrera, who is a nurse that takes care of um, Harlan Thromby. And she's really a nurse companion because she does man- manage medicines and that sort of thing. But when you say nurse, you kind of imagine someone in a uniform and she's just wearing jeans and sweaters. And she, at one point, uh, when she's been questioned about what she does, he says, because then you, he started paying you more money, you're here more. And she goes, well... He needed a friend. Yeah, he needed a friend. And when they show flashbacks, mm-hmm. she's just they're just hanging out a lot of the Which time. Which is interesting. You know, it says a lot because he's surrounded by people, but he needed a friend. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, right. So they're that, all busy. No one's there, right. usually. They're all busy and they all want, right? They're all, mm-hmm. they're all uh, living off of him. It's the typical rich family. Right, right. I mean, the way they're portrayed in these movies and things, so. So, there you go. So, that's the setting. Um, you know, cause so all the characters, you know, and they're, they're, uh, kids, you know, so, um, Linda's kid, Jamie Lee Curtis's kid is named Ransom. That's, those are all the characters. And then a, a murder happens. Yeah. And the whole rest of it is the murder being investigated by Daniel Craig, who's Benoit Blanc. <laughs> Benoit. And he has this outrageous Southern accent that he pulls off and, um, he's kind of a frumpy guy who... As one one person sometimes says, you know, you're so he's a foghorn leghorn kind of yeah. <laughs> detective, which made me think of Futurama, where they always was it Futurama where they'd have the lawyer who was the chicken, <laughs> right? And he'd always talk like a southern colonel. <laughs> and I don't understand why they did that, but that's what it made me think of. And that's um, funny, yeah. And so you can't really tell what he's doing. He says he was hired by someone, but he won't tell who, because they say, well, it seems to be a case of suicide. And he goes, well, I was hired to investigate it, but he's been hired by somebody. And so the police are investigating, but they're kind of really just in the background because he's investigating and he soon takes on Anna as his Watson. 
So she's in on the investigation. And as everybody tells their story of how birthday parties went and which was the last thing he was seen at before he was killed, they um, all think about what really happened. Mm-hmm. And um, they all have a motive. They all have a motive, right. Yeah. And as it goes on, we're shown a solution. We're shown who, how everything worked early on. Mm-hmm. which is an interesting way to do it because we're then watching this knowing what happened. And then of right. course, partway through you're, you're left going, did this really happen like this? Did this not happen like this? And I don't want to say much more cause I don't want to ruin mm-hmm. it. Yep. Agreed. But it's really funny. It's mm-hmm. uh, well thought out and there's an unexpected theme of kindness. Mm-hmm. That's goes almost from the very beginning. Yeah. It keeps being pointed out that Anna has a kind heart. Anna is kind. Anna doesn't follow other people's patterns. She likes to play go with um, Harlan, who's mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> and she says, well, you're playing to win or to beat me. Mm-hmm. I'm playing to make a pretty pattern. Yeah, And she never, he can never beat her at go. So she just thinks differently. And also because she's an immigrant, mm-hmm. um, that's also brought up continually in backwards ways, just comments and stuff like, oh, she's from, <laughs> this is one <laughs> of the funny things. She's from Ecuador. She's from Paraguay. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> Nobody knows where she's from. They all come up with some different country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and she never says, we mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so maybe. Yeah, yeah she enough. doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't bother to correct him ever. No. So, yeah. She, yeah. That that but yeah. that's a great synopsis, right? And then uh yeah, it's the the joy of the chase, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so we we follow Benoit Blanc um all over. And Anna, yeah. And Anna, yep. Yep, Marta Cabrera. So uh probably everybody's seen this who's listening, but if you haven't, go watch it because I don't want to take the the fun away. I have to say one of the things that Ryan Johnson I thought did really well is keep you focused on where the story's arc is in the mystery. So early on when Anna, we find out what happened Mm -hmm. and that Anna's in extreme involvement in the, the death and the cover up and everything. And I was left the whole time. She did it. Sure. You know, this is how it happened. No, maybe it didn't. Well, no, mm-hmm. it has to be, but then why are we watching the movie? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought and, it was brilliant how he put that together. Yeah. And so, but he sets it up. So it's almost in a sense, like uh, remember Columbo? Did mm-hmm. you ever watch that TV yep. show where yep. up front you see the murder, you know, who did it. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is knowing what we know and watching Columbo try to solve it. Yeah. That's, and the person that's, scrambled. That's super insightful because um, that interview that I watched, a person, uh, you know, the, uh, the loosen up question was, uh, hey, if yeah. you could direct uh, any TV show, what would you want to oh. direct? And he said Columbo. Oh, <laughs> He said, I love okay. Columbo, right? So, yeah, it's perfect. And right. in, and in, the, uh, in Columbo, well, in the, in the classic whodunit, you know, what would happen is, you know, we have this murder – and then, um, you know, you can think about murder at the Orient Express. We don't know who did it, right? Right. Until the end. Right. Okay? And then there's the big reveal scene. Well, here we have the murder, and then we're, we're shown what happened. And the movie kind of changes then 
to um, I'm not sure what you would call it, but it's not quite this same structure because now it's a cat and mouse game between Benoit and Marta Cabrera, right. who we're actually rooting for because we like her so much, right? Right, and and it's been an accident, and and it becomes now um, this this crime thing where they're like fighting each other. You know what I mean? And we know mm-hmm, we know what mm-hmm. uh we know at least what Marta knows. We don't know what Benoit knows. And then it changes back into the classic thing because now then we end up with the the big, you know, this is what happened from Benoit Blanc at the end. You know right. what I mean? So it's like it it follows a regular who done it and then it stops and it does this crime thing. And then uh-huh. it goes back to the it does a pivot, and it, yeah, right. And then it returns to uh, the the resolution, right? So it's almost yeah. as we're watching it, we forget. At least maybe the first time, we forget to wonder who did it, right? Because right. we know who did it, and we right. know what happened. And then suddenly, we slowly realize, oh, there is more to this, and something well, it- something else happened. Yeah, and this time I was especially struck, and and probably the first time too, because I just remember being astounded at the whole. It was so much fun to watch, but mm-hmm. um, he at the end during the big reveal and scene, uh, Benoit Blanc comes back to the point. He goes, "No, there's a question we haven't answered. Who hired me?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was the inexplicable part. Everything could be described or explained by the narrative that Anna believed or Marta believed, but that question, mm-hmm. and that was the odd thing—the thread that you have to pull out the hole in the middle of the donut, if you will, that had to be right, filled right. in. The donut, yeah, <laughs> the big donut speech. Say- Right. Yeah, the donut speech is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and also the gravity's rainbow speech. Yes, um, right. Where she says, "I haven't read that book," and he goes, "Oh, I haven't. No one's read no that one. book, but it's got a great title." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and I like that. Yeah, so gravity's rainbow is, you know, he said that it is the unavoidable arc, right? That that the thing takes and lands truth at his feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I found it interesting um, too. Benoit Blanc is not like Perot, Hercule Perot. He's not a brilliant guy, right? Isn't he? I didn't feel that way because there were, there was one point at which um, Marta Cabrera says, "Hey, you're not much of a detective, are you?" And then he sits down and he says, "Well, to be fair, you're you're not a very good murderer." <laughs> but she says, "When did you first suspect me?" Uh-huh. This and he is said, to me from from the very first moment, right? Right. He saw that drop of blood on her shoe, uh-huh. and he never said anything. And I think he is yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think that he remember he said he just gathers all the information yeah. and waits yeah. to see where it falls into place. So I think because of that. That shows us he is observant. Mm-hmm. He does know to suspect her. Yeah, he keeps her close right. to be his Watson in, for that reason. Mm-hmm. And that's it all, doesn't that's mean all he, very true. That's all very true. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that he's dumb or bumbling. Well, he doesn't. No, he yeah. doesn't come off as you know. I am doing this because of my little gray cells, which is Poirot. Yeah, right. But um, yeah. I think he's just got a real different style. I think he hides behind his um, his persona. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he's wearing his. Uh, we were talking a little bit before this started. He's not James Bond. It's fun to see Daniel Craig get to stretch in a different way. 
<laughs> and so he is being more of a, like somebody said, what is this Kentucky fried detective or right, something, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. he's being more of that sloppy Southern style, mm-hmm. but behind it, you see the person who at the very end, when he's doing the reveal, he's taken his jacket off. He's got a form fitting white shirt on and it's a good form that it's on. <laughs> and he's got his sleeves rolled up. He's got his tie tucked in and he is looking very different. Mm. He looks powerful, put together, and smart. Mm-hmm. He is on the attack. And I think that's when you see the real person that he is. It's just for a minute. Yeah. You yeah, know. Right. But it's like you say, he's got, you know, he's not showing that most of the time because how would yeah, he get his information? I mean, the, the reason that that kind of popped into my head is because if this is for a portion of the movie, movie a battle between Benoit trying to solve the case and Marta trying to thwart him, you know, then Mm -hmm. I guess you could look at it, you know, it's possible that Benoit knew everything that she was doing and behind him the whole Mm -hmm. time, which was hilarious stuff. It was the best, (laughs) you know, from the videotape, you know, she's erasing the videotape and, um, you know, like when the dog brought that little piece of the trellis, you know, and <laughs> she she's it. she throws it. <laughs> to me, the car chase, the dumbest car chase ever. <laughs> it was just so funny. It was, I you know, it, yeah. thinking about it, we're in full sympathy with Marta because honestly, this is what would happen to any of us if we were in that situation. It's <laughs> the normal right. person going, oh, crap. That's right. My car only goes 50 because I just have an old clunker because I don't make a lot of money. And I, you know, <laughs> it's just... I love when she's going as she's flooring it and Benoit Blanc's pulled up next to her, waving his phone at her going, Mm -hmm. I need to talk to you because he's chasing her and he could go faster than she can. Yeah. So, you know, so in my head, you know, Marta is somehow equal to Benoit, Mm. you know, for that to be a good fight. You know what I'm saying? You know? Well, yeah, because she doesn't know what he knows, and he's not probably telling her everything he thinks. Yeah, but for sure. She, but you're absolutely right. He noticed from the very first moment he saw her. When you watch the movie with that knowledge, you mm-hmm. see him look at her shoe. Mm-hmm. The very first time they meet, you know, they she comes out onto yeah. the porch, and he looks down at her shoe, and is, and you're just like, oh, well, he just saw that that from blood the very spot. first second, and now, and that's why he's like, Marta, you come with me. You know, he just wanted her close to find out, you know, uh, you know. So she's his Watson. That's what he said, but he she's also the prime suspect in his head throughout the whole thing. Well, and maybe so the reason like, we think of them <laughs> as being equal. Mm-hmm. Is because he treats her like an equal. He's Absolutely the only one in the whole movie who treats her just he like a very normal person. Very much does. Very much And respects does. her. He says from the beginning, you have a kind heart. Yeah. Yeah. And he keeps bringing that up. Right. Because to Marta, this is just how you live. Those people yeah. are awful in that family. And <laughs> which you see when they're all like, oh, I fought for you to be at the funeral. Oh, yeah. But I was outvoted. I was oh, outvoted. I fought for you to be at the funeral. But I was outvoted. <laughs> they all say it privately. Oh, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. They're all awful. Yeah. Just horrible. Um, and it, co- of course, comes out there. And, and it's interesting because they're all privileged. They're from all ranges of the spectrum, from super conservative to super liberal. Mm-hmm. And they all seem so different. But when the money's at stake, they're identical. Mm. Yeah. 
They all want the money and they're willing to throw Marta under the bus as fast as possible. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I read an interview with Ryan Johnson where he was saying the way Thromby's children all say they earned their own way when in actuality they were given a hand up. It's about how we shape our own narratives once we're in a position of privilege to close the drawbridge up. Mm. We can sometimes shape our narrative so that somehow the people who have succeeded are better than the people who have not or have not yet. Mm. And I thought, of course, because that's one of the things that's intriguing is the the writer, Christopher Plummer's character, Harlan Thromby, he's busy cutting off his kids at that birthday party. He's calling them all in at different times and telling them they're out of the will, he's withdrawing support, all these things. You have to go get a job, he says to the son who's uh, doing all the publishing. Because And and to each of them, he's saying, I realize I shouldn't have done this. I Mm. didn't give you a chance to be who you should be, to fulfill your potential. I just, I kind of handicapped you by giving you too much. And later we see that Marta is the impetus for this. She didn't you know, say, go do it. But he's like, you were right. I should have always let him try to do something like maybe he should would have written his own books. Yeah. So she was just behind the scenes talking about parent child relationships to him Mm -hmm. in the course of just regular conversation. Right. And he's the one that's bringing it up to her. Right. Yeah. And he's um, taking her advice to heart. He's taking her advice seriously. He also treats her as an equal and takes her seriously. Yeah. So he must see something in her that he really respects and mm-hmm. is like, you know, what have I done to my family that no one's like you? Yeah. You know? Well, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Why are you the daughter that mm-hmm. I never had, basically? Yeah. Right. Well, and then you see her own family just a few times, but they're just so normal. You know, the younger sister is, <laughs> she's, we see her hardly and she's going, is it true? Do we have a lot of money? Do we? <laughs> but when she stops and thinks about her sister, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, yeah, that I was playing yeah. that stuff and I was insensitive to you just witnessed a murder, that kind of thing. Um, and the mother, of course, they, she loves her mother. She's doing a lot of things because she's afraid her mother will be um, sent back because she's an illegal immigrant. Right, right. Whereas Marta isn't. Yep. So yeah, she's worried about her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big time. I love that the mother is watching Murder She Wrote in Spanish. <laughs> that was a cool touch. I just love <laughs> that. Was, yeah. Yeah. So very good. Yeah. 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 And uh, and you know that that's just a, a super interesting aspect to it is that you know uh, the Christopher Plummer character feels like he's made a mistake with everybody. You know, so yeah. he he's. He's trying to correct himself. <laughs> He's trying to correct right. things, but of course it's too late. You're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. too sudden. It's too much. I mean, if he had done it more gently, mm-hmm. he might have gotten somewhere. But of course, the problem is, is that's not how that family works. Right. No one's listening yeah. to him. Yeah. And when is he going to see them to have the influence? So what he can do is, um, in a way, it's like uh, uh, Ransom says, mm-hmm. I was suddenly free to, oh gosh, there's a pivotal line. I can't remember mm-hmm. it exactly, but I was suddenly free to, you know, to, to do what I need to do, mm-hmm. take care of myself. 
Right. When that's what he wants everybody to feel like, unfortunately, Ransom feels like, well, now I have to kill him so I can keep my money. <laughs> that's how I take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. And and he's he's a complete ass, right? Oh. You know, he's an ass to yeah. the help and, and all this stuff. And um, there's a line, there's this really cringeworthy scene where the family is all talking about immigrants mm-hmm. right in front uh-huh. of in front of Marta a big political argument yeah, big political argument you know and uh and yeah extremely uh, and extremely it's so horrible and classic. awkward right? yeah 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 super classic uh, absolutely and Marta Marta I want to hear what Marta has to <laughs> yeah. say and I'm like and Don Johnson's oh like yeah gosh. let's let's bring Marta in here hey you're from Uruguay uh <laughs> You know, you did it. You did it right. You know, some people, America's yeah. for Americans. You know, and all this other stuff. And um, of course, yeah. she, you know, she doesn't. She's not interested. She's not going to comment on any no. of that. No, but I, yeah. I have actually been the per, that person once um, because of Catholicism, mm-hmm. where people were having this big argument. Oh, and suddenly, yeah. someone goes, "Well, what does Julie think? You're Catholic. I'd oh, like geez. to know what you." Think. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> yeah, I've been in plenty of that. Oh, look at the time. Plenty of that. You know, whenever there's something in the news, which is normally crappy news, or like we're going to get a new pope or something like that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I get a lot of that. And, and a, a, lot of it's a, very, person. Yeah, a lot of it's very welcome. <laughs> but yeah, but during that discussion, during that immigrant discussion, um, right at the very beginning, Don Johnson says, um, hey, uh, he is an ass, but maybe an ass is just what we need, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't hear him say who he's talking about. We all know. But we all know who he's talking about. We know it's Donald Trump. Right, exactly. And and I feel like Ransom's character is portraying that in this movie. He is yeah. He is like an ass who when we come in... We're like, yeah, you know, he's on the right side, you know, he's, he, you know, we, we think all these things of him and he's, he's given his family what they deserve. Right. And he's laughing at the right moment and all this stuff. But then we find out, well, yeah, he's an ass. <laughs> yeah. And he's destructive. He's pointedly only out for himself. He, exactly. at the, toward the end, he goes, you took my family's ancestral home. I was getting it back for my family. Well, of course he wasn't. Of course. He was getting yeah. it back for himself. But mm-hmm. And I do love that moment when Benoit Blanc starts laughing and goes, oh, that is such a load. <laughs> Your father bought this house. Or, you know, yeah. from, he brought this house in 1985. Yeah, from a Pakistani, um, he said. From a Pakistani. Yeah. Right? So, you know, so it's just like there's all these parallels. It's like the house right. is the United States. Yeah, exactly. It's that fighting for the white privilege um, against somebody mm-hmm. who is a better person. And she, um, interestingly, all the comments about that come from that side. Mm-hmm. She is not somebody who ever stops and makes an impassioned speech about, no, well, maybe no. if you were like me and had <laughs> gone through what I went through or my poor mother, none of you think of this. Or she's just trying to solve her problem because she does have a kind heart. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, and it's refreshing because I'm like, it makes the contrast even greater. Agreed. And, um, you know, I'm reminded by. The the maxim, you know, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them, right? Mm, mm-hmm. You know that 
that's good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's not that people can't change or people can't be redeemed. I mean, that's not true at all. But right. but if someone shows you who they are, you should expect more of that. Right. You know, so that that's, that's just buried it. down deep where they may not even know about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. Well, and in fact, um, I by the time we get to the end of the movie, you know, we know Marta so well, and I'm thinking of her as a very normal person who is a good companion to Harlan and has a kind heart, all these various things she's trying to do. I forget the point that gets made at the end where um, this is like realizing Benoit Blanc is actually probably an extremely sharp, clever detective. Mm -hmm. He just has a bumbling way of presenting himself Um, is that when they do the little trick of hand me the morphine and she picks it up and it wasn't even uh, had a label showing she could tell she was so used to how it should be in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And he goes, because you're a good nurse. And that's the thing you forget. She started off as a professional nurse hired for an extremely wealthy person. Mm -hmm. She has credentials. She is um, talented, skilled at a difficult profession. Yeah. You know, and by the, I'd forgotten that by then. Mm -hmm. And she's never really presented in that way. You know, Mm -hmm. she's giving the drugs and everything and we, you know, but she's got such a familiar friendly style. You don't think about it. Yeah, very true. So it was a nice touch of him kind of going, no, no, because here's who you are. Don't forget this. Mm -hmm. You didn't make a mistake. Yeah. So I liked that point too. So very cool. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the actress, um, Anna de Armas, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know what, what else she's been in. Um, or She's been in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, okay, so she's been in several things. Yeah, she I'm looking at that, yeah. She was the, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the character, but she was the house robot. Have you seen that movie? Which one? Blade Runner, Blade Runner? 2049. Yes, I have. I have seen that. Okay, so yeah. the house robot that um, okay. Brian Johnson is in love with, essentially. Okay. gotcha. That's her. Okay. And so then later when you see the one that is sold to everyone on the billboard who, mm-hmm. st- who kind of bends over and goes, hey, Joe, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that's her. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Very good. It Not looks like she's, she's going to be in No Time to Die, which is the latest Bond movie. I know. That's so funny. I, oh, I remember good. getting done and seeing yeah. that, watching this and seeing that and going, oh, what, how odd. <laughs> the second yeah. movie with Daniel Craig. But. So she's, you know, out of all these actors – She's one that I didn't recognize when I first saw this movie, mm-hmm. and she she was fantastic. I mean, she yeah, was amazing. Really, really nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. And that the whole device of her, you know, uh, <laughs> regurgitating when there's a mistruth. <laughs> yeah, what does that say about honesty? Yes. Lies make uh-huh. her physically ill. Right, right, and that's that's brilliant too. It was fun to that was a fun mm-hmm. element of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so fun tell. Well, at the end, I could have done without. I, I would have liked Chris <laughs> Evans to have had his face wiped off right yeah. after that. I'm like, that was, I can't ever watch that oh, part. I'm just like goodness. so grossed out. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I guess it works both if you like that kind of humor and also mm-hmm. physically his lies have all been sent back to him. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I love it. I love it. Yep. And it's so well, fun to watch this movie after you've watched this movie. Um, because <laughs> the rewatching it, is good. It is. The rewatching is magnificent. You know, and that, that's why I say I, I think it'll just last because 
there's so much here. I mean, the the sets are amazing. Um, you know, just looking at the stuff behind, you know, how he lines people up is fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because this is a, a huge cast and they're all in a house, you know, so, uh, you know, how he's framing everything is had to have been a challenge. So just fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Did and everything you notice, in the background. Yes, go ahead. Being Catholic, I don't know if you noticed, especially on the rewatches, mm-hmm. that windows and art throughout the house have Memento, have Memento Mori, Mori all over the place. Absolutely. Skulls everywhere. Yeah, so Memento yeah. Mori is, mm-hmm. in, if in a picture or a piece of art, there's a skull or a skeleton. And it's to remind us that in the middle of life, we're all headed for death. And so we need to keep that in mind. And I love the fact that when she's not met the detective yet, but she's been asked to wait, he's going to question her. And so she's leaning against a window to listen to what he and the policeman are saying out on the patio. Mm. And the window she's leaning against the panel she's facing, especially is a big memento Mori. Yeah. And considering it's a murder and her role in everything and that she's a nurse Who's trying to keep? Who was trying to keep Harlan alive? And she was involved in his death, which he committed out of kindness and love for her. Would he have done that for anyone else in his family? Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Um, it, it was a beautiful little artistic moment. I think. Yeah, it sure was. Because then he yeah. looks right through the glass at her. Yeah. You know, he's going to see through all this. It's a nice little ca- encapsulation. It sure is. Um, another Daniel Craig detail that I thought was fun, happy to know, <laughs> is that um, Ryan Johnson said, you know, in his the big ending, right, where the the inspector talks quite a bit, um, he said he came with all of that memorized, which is not typical. Usually they memorize the pieces, they do a piece and then cut, you know, let's do mm-hmm. another piece. He said he came prepared as if it was a stage play. And oh. because of that, he, uh, Ryan Johnson was able to extend the shots and he said, I could go uh-huh. longer and longer and longer. And I did that. So, and, uh, it, it helped the movie as well. So ah, I thought that was neat. That's good. Oh, earlier, let me just correct this. I said, Ryan Johnson in the Blade Runner movie, it's Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. I it was going Johnson. That's not right. Is it? No, it's, <laughs> it's Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling right. who is an amazing actor who I love, <laughs> who we've talked about in Lars and the Real Girl. But moving on. Right. Yeah. So anyway. fun. Yeah. And Chris Evans apparently was a local. Um, oh. Chris Evans just drove to work <laughs> from his house. <laughs> you know, and they filmed it in Boston. Well, I really enjoyed this too, because one of the things is his character, and this is both the play or the play, the movie Mm -hmm. directing, but also how he carries it off. We are on his side at the beginning. He is a jerk, but he's a jerk saying a lot of the things and laughing at a lot of the things that we agree with. We agree with that. We want to laugh at that that we don't like. We're glad to see him sticking it to these people. And then of course you realize he's worse than all of them. And he pulls it all off Mm -hmm. without ever really changing too much, except when he's, you know, Marta, I'll help you. Yeah. You know, he's, he's so good. And I have to say, I don't really care about the Marvel movies much, but I love Captain America. I love him so much. And this actor, to mm. see him do this yeah. after doing Captain America also must have been a lot of fun for him. Oh, it had to be. Had to be. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. He he didn't, you know, he, he played his character. He didn't break, you know, until the very mm-hmm. end when he was like, all right, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, you know, and then he he 
he does that speech where he's like, our ancestral home, you know, just this viciousness oh. comes out, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then that uh, grabbing the knife, he says, oh, in for, in for a pound, right? And then well, tries to kill her. And, of course, Harlan had foreshadowed that, right? right. He says yep. he doesn't know enough to know a stage knife, a stage prop mm-hmm. from a real knife. <laughs> And he's sticking a real knife in the table, and we're so fascinated by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we forget the whole thing for sure. Yeah, but so good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just brilliant. Just very well, well done. And it's it's really nice to see a movie, whatever the other <clears throat> underpinnings, where somebody is just trying to do the right thing the whole way down the line, mm-hmm. and they get to win. <laughs> And Marta yeah. wins. And that little thing of Harlan's mug that said, my house, oh, my co- yeah. coffee, my rules or whatever. And um, she's drinking it at the end, looking at them from the balcony. <laughs> and the only thing you see, the only words you see above her clasped hands are my house. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, a nice little and bookend. That again, you know, you get that social commentary there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's like, you know, that that is what white people are afraid of. <laughs> yeah. You know, if the house is the United States. This, oh, is, this yeah. is what the people are afraid of, you know. And right. it's just like you know, and and they deserve it. In this movie, they deserved what they got because they're so horrible, mm-hmm. right? And um you know that she's going to help them. I mean, I and felt I like can- she would. Well, I don't know. I felt like it when Benoit Blanc's like, I know what I would do because I should help the family, right? He's like, well, I know what I would do, but you have a, you'll have follow your heart. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I know she'll help Meg, but, you know, mm. you wonder. Um, it also, when you said white people, I would just extend that actually to say wealthy people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think on – yes – the way this story is told, there's the immigrants, there's the white people. But when you think about it, it's also about the haves and have-nots and how they treat each other mm-hmm. or are treated by each other. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. Um, you don't, we don't see as many of those examples but or the established versus the, you know, the newcomers. I mean, but you think about this story if it was told in Italy, mm-hmm. if it was told in China, if it was told, you know, I mean, there's that movie which I did not care for it. It was just... Not what I hoped it would be, Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, uh uh-huh. That's exactly what that that movie was. The reason I didn't like that movie is I wanted more local Chinese stuff. And what it was is as if, well, they took this family, made them all Chinese, and had them treat, you know, a Chinese girl who didn't fit into that pattern the exact same way that Marta's treated. Mm -hmm. So, um, you can extend this in a lot of different ways, and that also makes the movie have a little more staying power. Yeah, he's making this commentary. Yes, he is. And yeah. it, I loved it. I mm-hmm. watched the whole thing. It was like, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. You should be judged for who you are and all these various things. Right, right. But, um, mm-hmm. but I do like Ryan Johnson's thing of, you know, he's pointing out, in a sense, this was inadvertently done because they didn't have the right example or the right standards held up to them. They don't. It's not that they don't know better. They do know better. They wouldn't be mouthing those platitudes that they later abandon so quickly. But once you're aware, what do you do? Mm, And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, the question that comes to all of us in different ways. You know, us talking about being Catholic, both on the podcast and earlier when we went, oh, we've been in Marta's position where you're the token Catholic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, well, how did I get to even be a token Catholic? How did I get to be Catholic at all? And of course I've talked about, for me, that was a big, um, real big change Mm. um, from what everybody thinks in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when you're confronted with this truth about yourself and that what you believe isn't right, or you, it's just, you saw it. It's like the mystery we're taken through all those details so skillfully two or three times. And each time, of course, we're shown it from a different perspective that enlightens us more. Well, when we're enlightened more like that, how do we react? Are we like that family? Do we close ranks and go, no, no, I am do this. This is how it is. I don't want to think about that other stuff. Or do we kind of try to adapt and use what we've learned? Meg in that story, the daughter is one that looks like she has a chance to do that. She's the only one we're shown who's a little more open. She truly cares about Marta. Mm -hmm. Even though she betrays her, you understand the pressures that led her to it, and she's immediately trying to apologize. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And it it makes me think about how everybody was self-centered and uh, vicious and and selfish and uh, demanding right mm-hmm. there was no attempt to uh work with uh, other people so <clears throat> you know in in the united states as a whole you know because i'm i'm bringing it into this larger context right right it's this fight and we've selected a leader who is fighting back okay <laughs> mm-hmm. right and and that that is really his main thing you know he he in in my you know I know I'm getting into some stuff here but in Get my head it. in my head he is incompetent in a lot of ways okay mm-hmm. um, people are accepting of him because they feel like he's on their side Un- not unlike um, you know uh, ransom when he showed up and he was right. again showing us things and he was on the side where he was he was revealing things that we wanted revealed and all that stuff right right <clears throat> but you know you have uh, racial strife in the united states and there are a few ways to to deal with that you know one of which is you know i hear you and uh let's talk about that right yeah another way is you're wrong and i am up here and you are not and this is the way we're going to do this. And I'm not listening to you, right? Mm-hmm. And then that that's, was his choice, right? But mm-hmm. it didn't help. It, it's not going to help, you know? Yeah. We, we need to be one. If there's any chance of us being a single country, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult, I know. <laughs> but if there's any chance of that, we need to be listening to each other and compromising and moving forward. My husband, Tom, just read Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. I like Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, mm. You'll see people you know, argue about some of the data he uses or whatever. But what I think he does that's good is he brings big questions up and looks at them from all different angles. So even if you don't agree with him, it makes you think about it, too. Mm-hmm. And this book, Talking to Strangers, What We Should Know About the People We Don't Know, was uh, something Tom got given as a gift, and he just read it, and, and he said, it is so timely, of course, because we're seeing so much strife. There's racial strife. There's political strife. Everybody's yelling at everybody else. Nobody wants to listen. And he is looking at things like some of these 
uh, police encounters where somebody winds up dead. He's looking, you know, a black person winds mm -hmm. up dead. He's looking at all kinds of things where there were contextual misunderstandings. There were, you know, uh, people rushing forward because they thought they understood something and they didn't very much like this movie in some ways. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was curious and it's so spoiler if anyone wants to read this and doesn't want to know what he says, cause I'm going to read it. But so Tom's telling me all these various things as he goes through the book and he says, well, by the end I said, does he choose a side? Does he choose how you act to strangers? And he said, yes. He says, give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. It's better to be advice, conned yeah. by some people. It's better to be fooled sometimes. It's better to be, essentially, it's better to be Marta mm -hmm. than to be that family. Because not only do you hurt possibly the people that you're applying these, you know, that you're being harsh to, if you don't trust them, if you're always suspicious, but you hurt yourself yeah. in ways you can't foresee. No, that's really great. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm really interested. He goes, it's not his favorite of his books, but he was like, what a valuable thing to talk about right now. Yeah, no question. And that's, you know, in politics, um, there's not a lot of that going on right now. Just assuming, no. just assuming the goodwill of another person, you know, who could say something incorrect, right? Which, mm -hmm. which most people do. I mean, nobody has command of all the facts of all these situations. Right. Um, but you know, on Twitter, it's it, it's so amazing to me that the 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 world can come together on something like Twitter, and it turns out so horrible. It's so vicious, you know. Right. But it's like you say something that is incorrect, according to a group of people, right? And they will just, you know, they calling it cancel. You know, they'll 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 kick you right. off of there, right? They'll they'll right. make your life so miserable that you need to leave. And um, whereas a lot of times, possibly a person doesn't understand, or you could be wrong, <laughs> you know, right. but it's just the, the fact that, you know, why is this person saying that, you know, and, and sure that there's going to be some people that are vicious and stuff, but, but um, I don't know, I'm rambling, but it's just gone off the rails and it's really unsettling. Well, but it goes back to that thing you said of, or I thought you said it maybe, and mm -hmm. no one's taking the time to listen. It's the listening. No one is listening and no one actually, and I'm sorry, I'm going to throw out a zillion references, I guess, because mm -hmm. there's that book called The Right to be Wrong. Mm -hmm. No one allows anyone the right to be wrong and, and no that they one, might be sorry later. And no one gives anyone the right to redemption either. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. the right to be wrong is also the right to believe that they are coming from a good motive. You just don't like how they're getting there. And then there could be redemption. There could be change. It makes me think of, um, this was uh, the theme in Gone Baby Gone, right? That's, he says, how do we get through this world mm -hmm. to his priest? And he says, well, we have to do what Jesus said, be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Mm. Yeah. And the innocent as a dove thing, yeah, you have to be wise as a serpent, but but how? How do you apply that? That doesn't mean distrusting everyone and distrusting their motives. And um, I understand if you're from a culture where, you know, you get <laughs> if you're stopped by the police, you have to get out of your car or you'll be shot. Well, that's being wise as a serpent. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to also understand that policeman might be a good policeman. Um. You can't just go into it going, every single person is awful. 
And I don't know what the balance is. You know, I think of, um, I've been reading interviews lately with Tim Scott, mm-hmm. who's the black Republican senator from oh, yeah. Yeah. North or South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina, yeah. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he is so extraordinary to read about because he has had this full negative experience, you know, stopped seven times just trying to get to work at Congress because they're like, no, even though he's wearing an exclusive pin and all these things, you know, he's like, oh, my brother and I've both been stopped driving while black so many times. But on the other hand, he sees a different way, mm-hmm. you know, and he's able to present it in ways so that um, other black people in Congress who are, you know, Democrats or whatever, will go, wow, we're so far apart ideologically, but this guy is so great. Mm-hmm. They can listen to each other and maybe they can make some progress that way. If people just stop shouting and that's, he's to me a wonderful example of how that can be. Yeah. Yeah. And I've how read we a little should bit be. about him too. We, mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have things in our lives where it's easy to have a thin skin mm. And believe me, I'm not applying that to a lot of very justified <laughs> things. Don't get me wrong. But but sometimes you have to just hold back and give the benefit of a doubt and listen and see where the other person's coming from. And that's what that Malcolm Gladwell book is about, really. Because he starts mm-hmm. off with the case of Sandra Bland, who is a young black woman who was in a police stop. And um, it went very badly. And three days later, I think, in her prison cell, she committed suicide and... Um, it was awful. Mm-hmm. But he starts off looking at both cases of both people, where they came from, who they were and everything. So he starts and ends the book with that. Very good. That sounds worthwhile to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like Malcolm Gladwell quite a bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, very much. And the way he reads his books is amazing. Yeah. Very good. And that's what Ryan Johnson has done, right? You know, so so not only is it all the things we said about the whodunit piece, but it's also about being kind, and it's also uh, a metaphor or a, a social commentary. I guess mm-hmm. that was the best way to put that. Yeah, um, yeah not a, not unlike what Agatha Christie did, right? Agatha right. Christie would do the same thing about England and English class structure, mm-hmm. very and, subtly, uh, but yes, right. And then um, he's just done the same thing here, but in the United States. Yeah. So. Beautiful. Yeah, in a current kind of a revisionist way, really, but while staying really true to the genre, mm-hmm. you understand everything that's going on. So when he slides those things in, you're able to notice it. Yeah. 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 Really, really wonderful. Right. So I guess the next question is can he do this again? Because we'll they're going to have him do it. Yay, <laughs> and he's got, he's, it says Daniel Craig is on. So yeah. Knives Out 2. Yeah. Is uh, Daniel Craig uh, the star? And that's the only uh, cast member that is currently listed. So who knows yeah. when this will happen. But um, I guess we'll, we'll find out if that Yay, was lightning or wait. what. <laughs> yeah, yes. of course I'm going to watch it. Yes, I'll meet you. And you are just as excited about Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile. Uh. <laughs> Uh, well, I hadn't heard of it. Please do give me a chance to get used to this idea. I really was able to miss his Murder on the Orient Express so much. No, yeah. I didn't. No, thank you. Yeah, but it's it's also on the way. Really? Um, yeah. 
Yep, it is. I don't really care for Agatha Christie movie adaptations generally. Mm, Some right. of them are okay, but yeah, we'll see what they do with the it. Not the Poirot but. ones, because for me, Poirot is hard to translate. Mm, yeah, yeah, but gotcha. But anyway, yeah, so we got that to look forward to. All right, <laughs> so now we're going to change it up next time. We're going to yeah. have a a movie again because we're getting ready for something big. The That's Odyssey right. Movie. We're going to do. We're going to read the Odyssey over two parts, and we thought it'd be nice to do those two parts back to back. So we'll do a movie next week called yes. Ram, not next week, Ram in two weeks. Ramlila. Ramlila Ram it is. Which is a and Romeo and Juliet adaptation, um, of course, Indian, mm-hmm. of course, Bollywood. Oh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be so amazing. <laughs> I love it. I can't even tell you how great it's going to be. Oh. That's so fun. Love it. Okay. I'm going to calm down. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Very good. All right. So Ram Leela it is. Yes. Cool. All right. In a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks. Get your dancing clothes ready. Get your (laughs) scarves wrapped on. Get some colored powder because there's going to be a holy celebration with a lot of powder throwing. Excellent. And it is by a director who is famous in India for having beautiful, beautiful uh, movies. Cool. It's a very intricate, all kinds of color. It's going to be amazing. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay. Sounds all good. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.